0: When did you get a formal diagnosis? I never did. Never got one? Never going never to. Got one, yeah.
1: I will not have my identity authorised by a medical professional or anybody else.
0: Hmm.
1: And I certainly won't be put into a, a category which is defined as fundamentally dysfunctional.
0: Aspies Podcast. Written, recorded, produced by Paul Wadey. Hello and welcome to the second Gorilla Aspies Podcast. My name is Paul Wadey and if I hold this microphone closely enough, you can hear Pushkin the Wonder Cat purring away i hope you can hear him i now like to introduce my very dear friend for the past 14 years dr dinah murray this is a formal write-up of her achievements which you can find online under the national autism project strategy board of which she is a member in the uk dinah murray is an independent researcher and campaigner formerly a tutor for Birmingham University's distance learning courses on autism for adults and in adults and with adults, and former support worker for people with varied learning disabilities, including autism, Tutoring involved reading and critiquing hundreds of practitioner research projects. Her work has been published in Autism magazine, I assume, in good autism practice in a number of books and online. She has presented at numerous conferences worldwide on varied themes relating to autism, including several years of Autscape, an annual conference, Did I say that right? An annual conference. It's articulating all these words when you're from Liverpool. You should be saying an annual. Sounds rather rude. An annual conference is more the South of England way of saying it. Anyway, Ortscape, an annual conference come retreat run by and for autistic people. We did the first two together, 2005 and 2006. Her autism-related research interests have included medication and its impact on quality of life information technology for people who don't use speech, the ethics of autism research, the nature of the human being with a particular focus on interests. Now, because of the nature of podcasts and people's attention and interest spans, I'm going to splice the more meaty parts of the interview in first in order to hook people in, and then we get to the more measured, and indeed the beginning when I first asked Dinah how she began. So here we go. How did you come to be... Uh, if I may say so the Queen of our London scene very much at the heart of the neurodiversity movement uh, in England hmm. Ish.
1: Uh, I don't really know I, I, I wonder about that myself yeah um, a, a lot of good luck the fact that I was got together with Mike and we made we went around the place giving talks together back in hmm. the 90s um, probably helped and then I met Wen Lawson and that helped too
0: yeah
1: uh, that was towards the end of the last century I think it was 1999 um, Mike Mike was important Mike um, Stanton. Mike Lesser
0: Mike Lesser
1: Mike Lesser yes and he um, he also helped me understand computers uh, as an early a doctor although when I say understand computers in a very very rudimentary way mm. but you know he was right in there early on having been um, lifelong activist himself who dropped out of school but was very 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 bright and um, he'd been organi- he'd been involved in, in a Small organisation which was doing light stage lighting yeah. and getting very clever about using electronics to control stage lighting. So that was early adopters of that kind of technology. Yes. In something called pan cam. Okay. And that had that had beefed up his maths. Yeah. Yeah, and, and his understanding of all. So you know, I had good, I had very good allies. Um, also, by chance. I heard that there was going to be a before I'd met any autistic people, and I'd had this, but I'd had this idea. I thought I must find an autistic school or something near here. There must be yeah. one somewhere. Yeah. And then I saw that this school in in South London. I think it was called Broom Hill. Yeah, um, uh, was having an open day. So we went to this open day, and picked up a book and a, and a flyer or something. Discovered that there was an autistic school really near me and discovered that this book had a very useful list of things for teachers to look out for and be concerned about, which we could explain beautifully with this idea that I'd had. It just really confirmed it. And the authors were Rita Jordan and Stuart Powell. Right. And they'd been commissioned to do this for the the education authorities, whatever those were back then. Um, so I wrote to them and they were very friendly and helpful and then, and Rita told me about the Durham conferences which poor old Paul Shattuck mm. did some very good conferences before it all went horribly wrong with his dreadful idiotic association with Andrew Wakefield um, I went up to Durham conferences two or three times then Mike and I went to I think and I think the second one Andrew Wakefield was was talking at it it was his first public horror about the measles term. really what yes. year
0: was that 98
1: probably 98 yes, yeah. I think it was 98 yes <sighs> I'm almost sure it was 98 and I'm you know he, he was fairly unappealing young man um, and uh, within a very short time of him starting to speak Mike leant across to me to say, this isn't science, this is no good at all. He was really quick. He was just right on it. Wow. Yeah, he was right on it. Everybody was very, saw him coming. Very perceptive chat, yeah.
0: That's an extraordinary thing to say. Well, before it, was, it all kicked it off. Was absolutely... <laughs> <laughs> it was opinion.
1: Yeah, he just was absolutely... Immediately felt that he... What it, what the whole position that wakefield was outlining was bad science it was a, yeah. it was a not a anything that you could really learn anything from yeah uh-huh.
0: it was his opinion
1: it was basically
0: and he made a career out of this and then he made a huge career out of it yeah. and he still go, gets hero worship a short section had to be removed on account of a dog barking it was interesting we've come to a point where you discussed a man who I really do feel I put far too much energy and interest in because I, I consider it to be something very easy to win. It's a fight you can win if you argue about mm. and think about the anti-vaxxers and Andrew Wakefield. It, it's so obvious. Yeah. And yet he's had a, a considerable effect on, on the field of neurodiversity advocacy. Mm. The idea it's all brain damage. Uh, if we were all vaccine-damaged, we'd be called vaccine-damaged rather than autistic. But they've hijacked the term, haven't they?
1: I guess so. I haven't really paid it much attention since since the launch.
0: I wouldn't worry. I really wouldn't. What is interesting is uh, negativity around being positive about being autistic.
1: Yeah, that's something you've encountered a lot. Mm. Because you go around sticking your neck out and inviting this kind of thing. Which is very brave and, some might say, foolhardy.
0: <laughs> so what to say?
1: And, yeah, I'm I'm not that brave. I may sometimes be that foolhardy, but I'm the neurotypical world,
0: world is made a certain way and certain skills. I was forced to acquire certain skills, whether I liked it or not. In yes, well, you
1: see, I, the, the not being particularly visible and giving the impression of being fairly equable
0: yeah.
1: are skills that I developed early. Mm. And it's you know people who know me well know that. Yeah.
0: But you ceased I to be that
1: makeable.
0: You ceased to be that when you asserted your reason and your mind and your perspective. Hmm.
1: What did I cease to be?:
0: Well, I first was in the London scene in 2004 and was coming to the social groups and I met you. You were a very uh, significant a person as an academic and a spokesperson for autistic mm. people, and also a champion of autistic females, the whole world of autistic women buried under the, what is it, the left brain, the male brain. I never
1: talked about those things, though. Yeah. I never talked about those things. Okay. Um, Left and right brain, I still don't know what they mean. And I I don't want to. Yeah. I don't need to.
0: Can you tell us about how you've seen the rise of the female presence in the world of autism and the representation of autistic women?
1: Well, I could talk about it. I don't. I don't. Um, I don't really know what to say about it. I, no. I, I observe that it's that it has happened, yeah. and I've observed that it's meant shifting the accepted characteristics of autism to a less gendered set, mm. uh, and. Um, it doesn't it hasn't particularly surprised me that this has happened it's always seemed pretty likely that <laughs> it's just the questions they were asking when you look at the AQ stuff for example even it's, yeah. it's, just, it's, like, well, it's kind of a setup um, but you know I can get back to the fact that I just think that the whole system is crook I think that they the model of mind that they have been, been working with, the idea that there is such a thing as a normal mind, yeah. the fact that there have been professors like Declan Murphy who felt it was quite okay to put up slides up to naive audiences and tell them that this is a typical brain and, you know, this is a normal brain and this is a not-normal brain. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs>
0: This is what you should aspire to in your yes, brain. Yes, you should
1: try to have a brain like this, everybody. <laughs> this is the right sort of brain. Yeah. That I, you know that, that is it's just, it's just such nonsense, and I'm sorry. You know, U- U- Uta and Frankie Happy are both estimable um, scientists, and you know, much I I do respect them both quite a lot. But yeah. the fact that they can play with those dots and lines and triangles, yeah. Earnestly look at what other people have said about them and say that what the other people have done yes. or said or interpreted is wrong because it's not the same as how they've interpreted the dots yeah. and lines and triangles. Just, just what is the justification for that? Uh, that's my puzzle There is <laughs> I don't really see where, they, where they're, they're getting it from. Um, a, a similar issue is something that I think Michelle Dawson has probably has highlighted, in fact, definitely, is that there's been a huge amount of research done which is supposed to be about autism and emotions and responses to emotions and emotional cues, which has used fake images. Yes. Computer-generated images, actors. There's a whole range of stuff which has got nothing to do with genuine connecting with other people's emotions. Yeah. And yet, you know... even the the overview, which is recently saying, look, there's there's nothing particularly, and yeah. I won't I won't try and sum it up, but it is it is a critique of, of the these the studies in this area, yeah. um, saying you know, that it's clearly not the case that there is really a standard limited set of expressions, which is universal and which you can talk about deviations from. That's one of the things they're saying. And the mm. other thing, I can't remember why I'm talking about this.
0: It's because, in a, in a way, I think you, those professors you mentioned, the, the, the field of autism representation of autism and it's like the Wild West. Yes. It's frontier. It, it's yes. still in a state of formation. Yes.
1: And one of the reasons it's, it's such a mess is, is because of that issue that I did start off on, which yeah. is about yeah. not using genuine emotions. They would yeah. actually do, do better to look at documentaries Mm-hmm. Um, or frown the wall stuff or yeah. any of that stuff where people are actually assessing other humans yeah. in so, with all the dimensions available that that are available when yeah. one is in the same space as them. It's so different. I mean, a picture of you on a screen yeah. frowning or smiling mm-hmm. apart from being terrifying. Yeah.
0: Um, I've done those tests. You know, yeah, yeah well, the universities will give you money for and a cup of tea and a body. They will. I sit in the corner for an hour or two. Having a Dardarist surrealist experience yes. in black and white. It's brilliant. Yes. In my mind, you know. It takes me back to being a small child in the 1960s. Yes. Science fiction obsession. Yes. And surrealism and being on another planet with aliens is exactly what it is. It's ridiculous. It, yes. It is you right. know, and I got I this wonderful experience. <laughs> I paid for it. It's a we'll press anything you want to, but on the quiet, you are developing IQ abilities, with spatial awareness, and a certain sort of cognitive practicing cognitive abilities, which mm. is what the, uh, some people call curing. Uh, as we're in the art of learning how
1: to do various things, yep. it's something that everybody takes a little time over. Usually, <laughs> um, I, I I do observe in myself, and I think it's quite typical and quite a lot of people on the spectrum that the things that I'm really, that I'm not rather quickly very good at, yeah. I'd really rather not do them at all.
0: Well, yeah. There is you know, a I would matter.
1: really, really, if I could just not have to do that, it's like hoovering. You know? <laughs> 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 I'm not very good at it, and I hate it, so I just cannot see any reason why I should have to do it.
0: Which brings us back to the old trope of my child has a meltdown in the supermarket, what do I do? what they're doing in the supermarket in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, well,
1: well, actually, on that, habituation is a thing. And the families I know where the yeah. parents, usually the mums, have been rather firm about, look, this is something we have to do. Actually, the kids do all right. for very long, mm-hmm. they're not freaking out at the supermarket. As long as they know they're going to get home safely, Yeah. And then it's the usual routine and, you know, it's it's played right by the people around them.
0: So they train their own minds. Yes, yeah, so it's essentially training your own
1: mind. And yeah. that thing about training your own minds is something that we need to be given opportunities to do much more abundantly than we are at the moment yeah. because that's what we're good at. Yeah. And the... I, I, don't, I haven't followed up the stuff that the... Um, MIT yeah. Media Lab were doing. Yeah. But that, when was the info in Hammersmith? Probably eight years ago, wasn't it? Ten years ago, even? I just think, well, still reel at the fact that they were developing this thing where the kids were being monitored. Mm and the messages about what was going on for the kids was going straight to the teacher mm-hmm. and not being represented as the kid. Mm. Mm. So how is the kid helped?
0: Mm. Well they're regarded it's as a person, they're regarded as a problem.
1: They're regarded as a problem and this is a problem, we can solve yeah. it, we tell the teacher when they're beginning to freak out then the teacher can intervene. Right. But actually what you need it's feedback. for the kid. Yes, by the feedback. Yeah. The kid, to go, oh, that's interesting. I'm becoming agitated. Yeah. Maybe I can not be so agitated.
0: Yeah. My wife has an insulin pump for her type 1 diabetes. Yes. And this thing warns her like a, a, yeah, a diabetes dog. Yeah. But there comes a point when it is not effective. So she has a husband as well. So she, she's sort of yes, a yes, yes. cyborg with this Yeah, gear. so they would <laughs> you know, they would
1: still be the teacher. Yeah. And I'm not saying the teacher shouldn't get the messages. I'm just yeah. saying that failing to give them to the kids is just
0: mind-boggling. Well, I think they're not relating to them. It, it, they're relating yeah, to the neurotypical parent. Uh, sorry, they're relating to the neurotypical teacher as as the... Functional yes. one, the one yes, responsible, yes, they are. and yes. the autistic child yes. is the, is, it's uh, the you know.
1: irresponsible one who's got to be controlled from above. Right, yeah, the relatively vulnerable person got to be What at. they've really got to learn is how to cope with their own terribly intense feelings, yeah. which are going boom and that way, yeah. then boom, boom, that way, and they can't yeah. do anything to stop it because they've no idea. how They're not getting yeah. many signals or warnings.
0: Our generation was slapped. Our generation had hard discipline, which had certain mm-hmm. unique advantages. Mm-hmm. The new generation don't have that, so the forces inside of them can get the best off them. Yeah. Uh, so we get the cruelty of Judge Rosenberg Centre, which is basically old-fashioned discipline, but on is scale of too. Auschwitz. Yes, yes. There's no nice way of putting it. And I have no, seen no, a lot no, of documentaries yeah. on that concentration camp, oh, yes. and I grew up in the Tuchters Jewish school, and I, I, you know, I know a lot about what went on in there because yes. we all do now,
1: yes.
0: and that's why I use that. Analogy and and autistic, yes, it is cruelty. Yes, it's cruelty. But the parents, there's a lot of parents involved with that that particular place, absolutely praised it because of the dog training it's given their kids. Yes. You know, aversion therapy. What a relief. Yeah. They no longer do
1: the things they did. But
0: it's still cruelty. It's still cruelty. And the reason
1: they've stopped doing them is exactly the wrong reason. They're terrified.
0: Yeah. It's like the the argument against uh, applied behavioural analysis. Which is, it is a
1: version of ABA yeah. it is the same
0: argument which I, I think all these treatments year after year will mutate into something passive where it's just autistic people being taught to get the grip on themselves, I think they'll eventually mutate into something actually quite harmless to how this started cause people just can't keep up that degree of cruelty and there's more and more ABA survivors people escaped from the Judge Rotenberg Center or left it or arguing against it
1: yes, I'd like to think that it's yeah. Gradually the balance is changing. I note that, yes, I won't talk about that.
0: Have you seen all these autistic people on social media making films and talking about these things? There's more and more of them each year. Uh,
1: Yes, there certainly are, and it's not really very surprising, given that they've escaped the institutions. They now have access to a way of telling people about what was going on. And how much they hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'd hate it.
0: But it's, a, it's wonderful the way that we have more and more of us turning up. And we're supposed to be diseased, disordered and disabled. <laughs> we are on the screen getting organised and relating ourselves coherently Yes, there,
1: there is always the problem, though, isn't there, that, that that turns out to be ammunition for the people who say we're not really representative.
0: Mm. Um, of severe disability of
1: the people who can't represent themselves anyway yeah. so you know come on yeah, let's give it a try we've got to try there are the right people to be trying and the parents are wrong to think that they should they should own the whole process they're not wrong to think that they should partly own the process you know mm. this does matter to lots of parents but there also there are lots of parents who are terrible and their, par- and their kids are longing to escape. Mm. So you know, we really do have to remember that and the, looking at what the issues are for parents with intellectually disabled mm. offspring. Mm. Mm.
0: The argument, of course, is you don't know what it is to be a parent. Um, my child can't speak for itself, but you're like an autistic person, an academic, a mother and a grandmother. Yeah. So you're really <laughs> well, it's true, is but I,
1: I haven't had an offspring who has not been able to speak. Yeah. Although I do know Ference very well, and Ference is a very intelligent person. Yeah. And he doesn't speak. And the family that we made the recording with when we circulated a little video back in the 90s, um, the Mason family, yeah. um, they had th- three sons who were autistic. And two of them have gone on and got degrees, and one of them has never, basically, never agreed to speak. Mm. He's not going to get into that stuff. Yeah. But he's obviously just as intelligent as his brothers. Yeah. Yeah. It's just speech has never been his thing. He thinks about other stuff. He he loves weaving. Yeah. He can he can assess how much how much yarn is going to have to go into how much cloth like that mm. um, so the learning disabled issues are the ones that the National Autistic Task Force has you know, come into being to try and wade in and make a real difference
0: yeah.
1: um, which I think we might especially if we can get the communication support worker role established
0: mm.
1: and access, the right of access to the social media that everybody else in the whole world has got now mm-hmm. but you don't have it, you shut up at one of those places and nobody no, I mean, they're cheap, you can get a really cheap tablet yes, yeah.
0: second hand yeah, 60
1: quid or something 50, 30 yep. quid yep. second
0: hand, great big android yeah. phone didn't big usable thing Yep. great big tablet
1: you just go to one level up on your Wi-Fi that you're already using, and bingo, all these people have got that. And then there's some chance, there's some chance that people will be able to tell the outside world about what's going on inside. Yeah. That's, you know, to me, a really important part of that. Another important part is that they can show capacity to people, which they can't show if they haven't got good motor control over yeah. speech and things like that. So, and the other thing is that they will be able to access the sources of having a good time that so many of us do, like my favourite example is, is kittens frightening big dogs. Yeah. Yeah, videos like that which just make you laugh. Have you seen the cockatoos,
0: by the way? No, no.
1: Oh, I have to show you.
0: Cockatoos.
1: (laughs) Oh, the cockatoos are absolutely wonderful. Let's get back to talking sense, shall we?
0: Autistic, (laughs) parents of autistic children who don't like them being autistic, and the whole autism speaks phenomenon. Yes. Yes.
1: Um, It's a pity if you don't like your kid being autistic. Um... But it's entirely understandable if your kid has issues, which mean they do things like putting out their eyeballs. Yeah. And or they attack their personality or do a lot of headbanging. Yeah. And you can't understand why and you don't know how to help. And it's very, very scary. And a lot of people feel that's all their fault, which is actually very egocentric, but that can't be helped. People are egocentric. And if you're a parent, especially if this is your first child... Yeah. You will think, oh, I've, what have I done? What's, what's happening here? So it's, it's actually a very scary yeah. business. Are you making gestures that are meaningful? No,
0: no, no, I'm just getting anxious. Oh, okay. I do that. I, I go in and out of anxiety. It's my one vulnerability. My face starts to bulge, my eyes go wide, and I'm, I'm containing a micro panic attack. I do that all the time. I'm just. Okay. Going. I'm used to neurotypicals grabbing me and actually making things worse, at which point right. I can handle that. I don't know how much longer I'll be able to do that, but the life I've led is one in, it, imagine being in a boxing arena. That's what it's like, I've always uh, pitched my game at the highest table, the, the roughest environments, the places yeah. the autistic should always avoid, because I wanted to be a certain kind of person have a certain kind of life. But you never adapt. <laughs> You only somehow cope.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's where it comes from, people who don't look at out like they're autistic. So every now and again I, I frighten people, and my eyes go, oh, oh, i start staring at yeah, it. Yes, well, a, a we all sometimes fantasy. frighten people. I mean, yeah. even
1: even I occasionally frighten people. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> no. No. Even though I'm trying so hard to be Yeah. absolutely anodyne.
0: Sweet granny. Sweet granny. <laughs> A harmless person
1: they will do no harm do not be afraid
0: I think a lot of women are they skew that whole frame of reference for a woman as being oppressive and from a world yes. that negated any kind of female authority and power
1: yes I think that's a bit over simple
0: yeah
1: I think it's all quite complicated um and in um, societies in which in which uh, men are very big in the world, quite often you've got they're very small at home. Yeah. That's just as humans are. Humans are um, constantly power tripping, basically.
0: It's got a lot to do with parents and yeah. autistic kids don't yeah. their power tripping. Mm-hmm. It's very much something I was. I was drawn back to discuss with you and your unique perspective this idea of the whole world of autism has been in the grip of parents and researchers
1: yeah well uh, parents and researchers (coughs) who are themselves in the grip of forces which are way beyond them Mm. and are absolutely huge and in which they probably don't recognise the part they're playing it is a thing about power that there's a limit to the recognition of the of power. There's a mental limit to one's capacity mm. to really take it into our heads that there are these beyond us, yes. massive powers. We don't kind of our brain doesn't naturally go there. You have to mm. you have to get there through reflection and and education. I, I do myself think that it, it's the thing which is should. Be the most vital part of any child's education before they leave mm-hmm. school, is to understand the power structures they're embedded in.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just have a clue. Not be just tossed out into the waves of forces which are just capable. Of there was a representation.
0: There was a standard issue representation was given as church and state. Yeah. for our generation, and then you go out and meet Marxists and feminists, well, women's liberators, and uh, gay people, and all the young people of different races, and everybody who wasn't part of this mainstream mm-hmm. perspective we had, and realized it's all a lot bigger than it looks. And nowadays those kind of perspectives are everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's all been uh, absorbed, particularly by Labour, I think, mm-hmm. and champions that the world has, has not been simple. Because in the 19th century we had an empire in Britain and uh, the idea was that the state wanted everyone male to be able to fight and everyone female to be able to service them.
1: Yes, yes indeed. Um, and, in, and in this century the aim has been to forget we ever had an empire and pretend we didn't.
0: Yeah, there was no slavery. There was none of that. We didn't We've always either. been a multiracial, multisexuality sexuality Don't be absurd. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So, um, there's also the pharmaceutical industry which you would love to have more of a handle on autism but fortunately it's probably never really going to although it is interesting it's very interesting the direction in which it will all go as individualisation happens mm. and the power of doctors it gets, gets to a new level. Gets, it's a different sort of power to mm. know enough about a person to be the bridge between that person and a specialist who will mix up exactly the right cocktail for yeah. that specific individual. It's rather a scary, not that far down the line prospect. The idea of
0: medicating children so that you get the personality and behaviours you want curing something.
1: It is... medicating children and also mucking around with the genes Um, Mm. there's no question that we're looking at potential spread of eugenic attitudes
0: yeah Yeah, we're looking at a point at some point they're going to do life testing on children Mm. which point I think they will discover just how feasible the whole thing was in the first place because I think it's all about taking away anxiety based behaviours and affirming social skills and then calling that curing treating, saving,
1: rescuing. Yes, Um, yes, I think taking away the anxiety and (coughs) assisting with the social integration, partly by society being better educated, must be the way to go. Mm.
0: Because once you accept the reality, it's how people's brains are made. And if you want to change being autistic, you've got to change how somebody's neurology is. <laughs> then yes. you think, well, maybe we should just put all our energy into something a bit more pragmatic, like supporting people and education, <laughs> yes. Yes. rather than possibly risking something. I don't think has happened yet. I don't think people really have meddled with the brain the way they're going to.
1: No. I agree with you. I'm fairly sure that they are going to. And they're longing to, some of them. And and many of them will be doing it with a sense that they're doing something wonderful and helpful to the future of mankind. There
0: there is this ethos present in the field of autism that uh, we would rather die than hurt our children, we're not going to hurt anyone, we're saving people from something, we're curing. It's the whole disease, disorder, disability and curing framework. Yes. I once met a woman who could not stop practically shouting in my face that autism was a disorder because she was an advocate a local disability advocate and clearly had mental health issues herself because it was like yeah. facing a robot but the idea was that if it wasn't called a disorder then you didn't get support and understanding and respect and for many people I think they qualify for, for their autistic nature being a disorder because they have the properties of a disorder but some That's people weird. don't have the properties of a disorder Mm -hmm. but are autistic or the presence of their autistic nature in themselves is clearly not definable as a disorder yeah because their
1: lives are okay
0: (laughs) yeah because they can do what you need to do to be Mm -hmm. neurotypically acceptable so that's Mm -hmm. that's how I see you can't make these absolute statements Mm -hmm. but at the same time if you always say that we have a disorder and disability we get support, we get understanding we get a certain respect we can get away with things Uh,
1: yes Unfortunately, that is... I mean, that's the positive side of the obligation to portray oneself as inadequate in order to have any kind of chance of getting support from the sources which might be available.
0: Yeah. But many of us who are autistic... You can get, be reviewed by somebody, by a clinician or a doctor and be seen not to be disordered in a lot of respects and therefore not get support. So how is it a, a disorder? If, and so on. And I think what I'm really saying is that there are the the parents and there are autistic people who don't like being mm. autistic. And they, they have this vision of how they could be or how they should be.
1: Yes, that's the worry.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so right, I'm disordered. I've got a disability. Well, yes. Yeah. For some, it's very important that they're acknowledged as having that and they themselves see themselves as yes. being less than others
1: yes. it's because when they look back over their life and think about all those occasions when things went wrong yeah. they now have a key yeah, and that's a huge relief
0: I don't know if it's the case in your life. I could do it in mine but by the time I had my um, diagnosis I'd largely resolve my issues with myself and my past mm. and I just can't do the pity porn The Guardian did mm. ask me to write a second article for the Weekend magazine just about how I cope with life and I couldn't do it or sent them something it was funny right. and it wasn't what they were looking for they were very polite So said well just, I just can't do pity porn I've been trying to write something ever since and it just comes over this horrendous story of, of teenage depression and not being able to relate yes, to people it's really oh, difficult to, yes oh, it's awful yes I don't want to, don't want to write yeah, anything exactly. like that I want to give people hope and positivity yes yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> rightly so because that's crucial if you if you are convinced that how you're meant to be is a disaster, yep, yeah, and that everybody knows that you're a disaster, yeah, and there is no hope for us.
0: Yep. I can't stand the screen representations on the television of a lot of autistic people. And yet, there is Saga from the Bridge TV series, Sophia Helen, portraying this autistic woman. It's beautiful.
1: Yes, people like that. Yeah. I haven't seen any
0: of it. Oh, you must watch The Bridge. Yeah. No, no, no. And there was a, a French version, uh, Elise Wasserman, in The in the Tunnel, which is the French-English version where the, the crime happens in The Channel Tunnel. And oh, man, it's a right. two-series.
1: Okay. And Elise
0: was bisexual as well, as well as clearly an autistic chief murder squad detective. Mm. French woman's very good and you get the immortal line in the first series that one of the French detectives says you can always spot a loony by their opinion on vaccines (laughs) very good very good thank you (laughs) have you got anything you'd like to say about how things are and where you'd like things to go in general (laughs) Mm. just starting with the planet earth (laughs)
1: Well, I'd like it to prove to be the case that the absence of principles from our prime minister means that he is susceptible to pressure to do the right thing, yeah. in spite of that.
0: Yeah. So, in uh, terms of neurodiversity and autism, so I think like there's a
1: this? I think there's a possibility that we could yeah. attract the right sort of attention. Okay. And get uh, a more balanced support. Right. Uh, a less um, pathologising attitudes in place who knows I mean I just think it's up for grabs and that if we played it right whatever that would involve Um, but you know this is not just about autism yeah it's so not just about autism it's about really humans and living in a society where humans get a bit of support from each other rather than seeing everybody Mm. as their enemy that's more harmful to us than it is to anybody else Mm. because of all the other apparatus that goes with it and where we fit or rather don't fit in that apparatus which is supposed to be churning out the goodies for the people who get it right. Right, right.
0: So, tell us about Ortscape, how you came to be involved with Ortscape.
1: Well, I'm not,
0: in a way, not really involved in
1: Ortscape. I just spoke at the first Ortscape and I've been at most of them although I went with this year, I've never been an official in any way or done any admin-type stuff. In fact, I've never done any... I've managed to avoid doing basically that kind of thing pretty comprehensively for my whole life. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so the Old Escape people, I knew a little bit about Larry, and I, I'd heard of Seth Neller, because he famously escaped from... The wrong education setting. Did you know about this? No. Oh, okay. Not at all. He was quite famous at one stage. Uh-huh. That was probably in the late 90s. Yeah. He had gone from school to a special college yeah. in the northeast and he felt he was surrounded by young people and being expected to receive an education that was way below what he was capable of receiving. Yes. And he he escaped. <laughs> and there was a kind of... People gave him bed for the night and things around yeah. the country and the word spread. Anyway, that so I heard about that in the 90s and then I actually met him at Ortscape because he was part of that crew. Wow. And they were all, um, I think, had been on martine decker's list yes. and also jim sinclair's so all those people have got together and it was it was really <clears throat> quite wonderful i did have it i did love it from the first time
0: that was two, no, was it 2005 i think it was 2005 we were there. yes yeah. you were
1: there and you were there the next year yes yeah. yes
0: with my future
1: wife yes
0: Oh, our first holiday together. Yeah. My girlfriend. Your girlfriend. <laughs> Jim Sinclair was at the first two, wasn't he? he?
1: Probably more than that, three or four, I think, yeah. maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that... Uh, I remember being told that they were, they were asking me to speak at it because they'd heard of me, but I didn't really know how come they'd heard of me. So that was a bit odd. Um, although we did launch the website in the kind of 1996 or something like that. So there had been the Autism Computing website. Yeah. Um, and then there'd been the APANA website, which the Autistic People Against Neuroleptic Abuse. Mm hmm. Um, and maybe they'd uh, heard of me through that because I was, that was involved connecting with with David Andrews and Heather Pookie and mm. um, Cassian Sibley and Amanda Bags as they were all then known Cassian something anyway um, so and having a website and talking to the APGA the All Party Parliamentary Group on Autism Oh, talking yes. to a subgroup of them about medication issues. Yes. PPGI. Um, yeah. <coughs> getting together with Gwen Lawson, who I met in 1999, mm. um, at what was probably the world's first positive
0: autism conference, mm. Mm.
1: which was organised by Rosemary Mason. Yeah. What was it called? I think it might have been called Positive Autism. Pos-Autism.
0: I think yeah, like that. I was it, pos-autism? No, it wasn't
1: pos-autism. No. I, I invented pos-autism. Oh. Oh. Pause Autism for the um, YouTube group Right I had Pause, not. Yeah. Positive. We Autism the Autism That's group. it Yes That was uh, I mean I did all this stuff with the medication and really uh, tried very hard to get the issues recognised and I've written about this so I won't I won't go on about it but yeah. the thing I didn't in fact write about at all was that after that which was very depressing yes. it was very depressing partly because the power balance is so is so skew with and, and and the powers of psychiatrists deploying a system which is deeply flawed yes. have to take away everything that's good about someone's life if they choose Yeah, it's just appalling and terrifying and mm-hmm. I got, I couldn't cope with going on doing that stuff yes and then I read about YouTube coming into being and I thought
0: mm.
1: one of the things that's going on is that there's a great tide of video material saying that, this, that autism is dreadful yeah and we need to get out there and show them some other stuff mm. she'd already done that with the Ference video yeah um, so I started it off but it, it wasn't a real group because YouTube didn't know how to do groups so it was actually very very hard work keeping up with the tide of videos coming so every day I would put, put a search for autism into YouTube yeah. and anything new I would watch it yeah.
0: um,
1: and I did that for about a year and a half I think maybe two years um, and some of it was very, very good. And I'm not sure was that I met Amanda Beggs. Yeah. Or did I already know? Anyway, um, so I did that for quite a while. Shannon Del Rosa, who was yeah. thinking she, her, her son Leo was um, a star of the Positive Group, one of the stars, and um, there were some other good, good people. Larry doing it and Wendy doing it as well. Larry Arnold. Larry Arnold, Wenderson, Gypsy, yes. Wen Lawson. Yeah. They all did stuff for it. <sighs> Wendy had been involved in the partner. Yeah. Um, so that was really, really good. And then the opportunity to um, to do something about the visit from the terrible wrongs. Mr. and Mrs. Wright, the founders of
0: Autism Speaks in the US. Bob and Susanna, yeah. When I, yes. when I talked to them in their Park Lane offices in about September 2009, yeah. uh, Peter That's Bell, came and Mark yeah. Simkin, he said, there was a picture of Susanna right in the wall, and they said, we call her the Duchess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell. Hell. They came over. It was, it was at the infamous uh, Downing Street. It wasn't, it wasn't
1: the Downing Street reception. That yeah. was later. That was, I think, uh, about a year after
0: this. To so explain, there was the Downing Street reception for Autism Speaks and one of these people read the uh, words of the film I Am Autism, which members of National Autistic Society um, staff were there and yes. they told me they were absolutely horrified at what they were hearing. It was, it was pathetic.
1: Yes, we had yeah. a bit of a campaign about that I
0: Am Autism stuff. I made my film I think that was Socks.
1: after. <laughs> I think that was after they had visited... And unf- the ambitious about autism, yeah. as they now are, then Treehurst, were planning to have an annual series of lectures. Yeah. And they made the terrible mistake of inviting the wrongs yeah. to give the first one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't them who made the mistake it was their new chief executive who was yeah. completely new to the job, I had not a clue about right. politics. <laughs> and you know, even then <laughs> even then people knew that yeah. this, this you know, these were people you want to keep a bit of a distance from. And I happened to have run into Virginia Bovel in who I recognized from us talking to the APC a few yeah. years before. Um Saw her in the street with her son Danny. I did a double take. We did a double take on each other. It was round the corner from her house. I had a cup of tea with her. We had a really good chat. And then a week later, she rang up and uh, said, "Dinah, I don't know whether you can help, but our chief executive has done this thing. We've got this new chief executive, and he's done this thing of inviting these people. Help! This is a this is a publicity absolute disaster of the most extreme kind." Right. Help. Can you think of any way that you can help? <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is an interesting question, and maybe I can. And so I said, um, yeah, get an autistic speaker to answer him. Yeah. Give me money to pay a professional to put together a DVD, a, a, a 20-minute video made up of autistic contributors. Yeah. Um, uh, have uh, jazz hands and uh-huh. uh, not clap, not applause at the at the event yeah. and ask a lot of autistic people to be in the audience. Yeah, you know? yeah. And they said, oh, yes, that's good. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, 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 we'll do that. Yes, we'll do that. Yeah. Oh. Phew. And they did it. And huh? we, we went, we had a little protest outside and then some <laughs> of us went in. <laughs> And they played uh, our DVD during the reception. Good. And they played it at the beginning, and Anya Ustoszewski replied to Bob Wright. Anya, right. Anya did it. And the audience had to flap, so the Wrights the yep. had to flap, which they couldn't actually manage to do. They couldn't.
0: Really. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't do it, yeah. It was fun. That was actually they were me. generally pretty horrified at the whole thing. They
1: were, they were put in their place, really. Yeah. And everybody, and the, the Brits were actually pretty unified. You know, nobody was kowtowing to them, nobody was going, yeah. oh, you great, wonderful people. In fact, everybody was deeply fed up with the whole attitude and the fact that they had expected a whole lot of their publicity material to be distributed yeah. during the event, which like yeah. I'm glad to say Treehouse drew the line and said, no, sorry, we're not, we're not having it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's why I got invited to join the National Autism Project four years later or whatever because I'd helped them out I'd helped out these people by making they'd helped out I mean it was really a great deal Mm. Um, I I just could have thought you know I I suspect that if I'd racked my brain and thought of a few more things to
0: ask for Mm. they'd
1: have gone on saying yes because they were really desperately concerned that
0: this was a dreadful mistake yeah but it seemed like a good idea at the time. These people were the head of
1: yes. He just thought, "Oh, empire. brilliant!" You know, yeah. Autism
0: speaks. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, but yeah. Not for
1: and he, you know, told the rest. He said, "Look, what I've done! I've done this wonderful thing. I've booked these fantastic people." What? What? It's Brow and Doctor Goebbels yeah, Yes. Pretty much, pretty
0: much. <laughs> <laughs> Fred and Rosie West—they're called. They'll be discussing <laughs> parenting. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: maybe gone a
0: little far. It's not the autism it speaks, it's parents speaks. It is It's time for autistics speaks. to listen, whether they like it yes, or not. Yes. yes. Yeah. It doesn't actually have much to do with it. Yes. Despite, there's been different regimes and different changes, I think, over the years with autism speaks. It's become oh, it, more or less. Yeah. It's
1: it's less costly than it was. Yeah. Um, but it's still, you know, way behind the uh, autistica here in terms of how it's promoting its its image is still way behind that. Um, whether there's a huge difference in reality between what they do, I'm not able to say. Yeah. Um, I think there is a big. I think autistic has genuinely made an effort to include autistic views yeah. in their discussions.
0: Yeah. Um, I was reading it on Twitter today. Yeah, Somebody works who works for autistic and autistic pointed it out very well very good perspective
1: yes they've actually done a good job ultimately even though um, they I continue to regret that they are providing subjects for the EU aims to yeah. massive trials right. that's basically why they were it was agreed that they could come on board was yeah. because they would be suppliers yeah. of the people who would who would in many cases wish to contribute to the research um, you know, I, I think this was uh, an error of judgement myself but I can see that it meant from their perspective that they felt that they had a finger in the pie and that they would know what was going on mm. I don't know how true that is I don't know how much Anyone has an overview?
0: Um. It's this concept of power and responsibility, and we know what we're talking about. It features very, very largely in the world of autism, doesn't it? People expect, we are the ones oh, yes, who know what we're talking yes, about. Yes. It all seems to trace back to this parental thing of control and the idea autism is this it isn't that so I read a review on a book on Amazon it was hilarious one person says this is a great book it's got a really good perspective and the next one says these people don't have a clue what real autism is the phrase real autism is oh you mean people who are really disabled and have an autistic diagnosis or who are very disabled by the presence of their autistic nature yeah that's a different community there's lots of different autistic communities but Some people they don't seem to have that understand that there are all these different communities. All right, it's just one thing, and you're not it because you can have a family and talk. It's like, hey, yeah.
1: People who have a a baby who doesn't follow the usual path they've been told it should follow become very, very anxious, and their anxiety is hyped up. I really. I'm I'm loath to do parent blame, however aggravating and basically stupid one may sometimes think people Mm. are being, because of the context in which the events in their life have happened have pointed them to certain conclusions, Mm. which have totally mistaken, and really a dreadful mistake, and... It's very sad. I think it's just very sad.
0: Mm. Um. You get very intensely held views, of course, because they don't understand that they're probably on the spectrum themselves, and they're being monotropic. Yeah, a lot of the time,
1: for sure, the parents have they've got their teeth into this idea, and yep. they're not going to let it go. Yeah, yeah. You go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have seen that before somewhere. Funny. Yeah.
0: So through the online and, and do you tend to meet a lot of autistic people personally? Or the new generation, the teenagers and the young people. Um, well,
1: Autescape does contribute to that, yeah. although being um, online also does, and Autcon or Auticon, or or, or whatever it was called was very nice for, yeah. for doing that. I'm so oh. sorry that didn't get well, supported it, to continue. Yeah, I'm on
0: the committee of that with the National Autistic Society and they still haven't booted it up because the sub so broke. Yes. But hopefully it will. I mean, the second one got 800 people and I sold 45 books, which which is more important if I sell 45 books. <laughs> away. I know what I think it is. But there was a lot of speakers. There was a huge yes. amount of people. came. Hopefully the, when they bring it back, if they ever bring it back, it'll be a weekend event in a hotel mm-hmm. and I'll sell more books. Or else you get to talk rather than slowly working towards a sudden meltdown. <laughs> Shouting at my wife, No! And that was the meltdown. And then calming down. <laughs> Sorry, dear. You know, who's kind of like a lion tamer or a wrangler, I think. <laughs> well, I was very glad of us sitting there doing our best friend, Rosie. <laughs> West. Colin uh, and Clyde oh yeah. dear. little and large Laurel and Hardy probably I'm the wife and she's the husband she's oh. the rational male one and I'm the emotional she's the one
1: who keeps you on track
0: she, is. She, she, she says things that are really helpful and nurturing and improving like shut up and yes dear I can't think of anything else I'm sure she says something I think she "shut up," probably is not infrequent. Yes. yes, he's very fond of that. Yeah. Mm. Must admit. Yeah. Well, it's, it's nice
1: and to the point, isn't
0: it? That's what she said.
1: Yeah,
0: just <laughs> shut up. <laughs> just shut up. I'll set the cat on you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love him just shutting up. Oh.
0: So, who who should we be reading? Who would you recommend people should be reading in the world of autism at the moment? The world of autism
1: at the moment. Well, I think everybody agrees that if you want an overview, Sue Fletcher Watson's rewriting of Frankie Happy's book. Yeah. I shouldn't put it that way. <gasps> her co-revision her co- re- yeah. of that book. Um, it's a, a pretty good overview of the state of play. Yeah. Um, there's just there's so much going on. And, as I say, I'm, I'm a bit more focused on the wider world and its impact on humans in general than I am on autism as such, although I think that we've got a role to play in the current scene, which is to be obstinate and productive irritants.
0: Yeah.
1: And mm. I'm very thankful for Greta's... Dinber. Is that how you say it? I heard her say it, and it was something like that. But she Dinber. said, it, it doesn't matter how it's... It doesn't matter. Any
0: way <laughs> will do. As long as you don't use up too much carbon dioxide, saying so it. Yeah, know. just... Expel. Take it
1: easy. Maybe they knew about the Aparna struggle. Hmm. The autistic people against neuroleptic abuse. Maybe yeah. the positive stuff. Maybe the making the... Something about us... DVD, which I was talking about earlier when the Mr. and Mrs. Wrong came from America and shocked everybody. So uh, this um, is, the
0: question was, why did you receive a Lifetime Achievement Award? Yes. For well, the Autism Professional Awards 2017.
1: Right, do you want me to start again? You could do, yeah. Did you recall what I just said? Yes. Then I'm not going to start again. Because I am just edit it. And the answer is, I don't really know. Hmm. Um, But several people participated in a vote. It's unlike the other NAS awards, it's not a public vote, it's a bunch of people like James Cusack and Rona Tut. Do you know Rona Tut? Just no, but James
0: Cusack is, is uh, I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of John Cusack, the actor. I don't know James <laughs>
1: <laughs> James,
0: James Cusack is the research director of Autistica. Right. And he's autistic himself. Good. And has,
1: has said so publicly quite a while ago. Um, so he's known to me. Uh, so he was on the panel. And a few other people were on this panel. And for some reason, they voted for me. And yeah. the next year, they voted for Dame Steve. Yeah.
0: Um, so I was very honoured that's what you should be actually it's very important what you do there's a lot about I think your personality and your presence that you don't see how important you are as an individual and a lot of things about you and what you represent the sheer clarity that you try to bring to all the things you've been involved with Hmm.
1: well it's nice of you to say so I feel I often introduce some shards of chaos actually
0: but you introduce things that need to be present because what is ordered is the old guard, and it's something that needs to be shaken up and changed. Yeah,
1: well, that's true. I suppose so you yeah. are
0: the uh, the mm. revolution. That's what you're describing.
1: Mm.
0: The revolution, without which otherwise we'd be going around in circles, and the idea of oh, it's a disorder, and that's it. Yes. Um. I
1: just think I've been very. I've been very blessed. Um, I've been very lucky. Um, I'm I'm lucky to have grown up with a degree, particular sorts of self-belief, which were very strengthening and empowering in life. Uh, Nobody gave me the message that I was a dud. Learning to read at two and a half or whatever I was was regarded as a wonderful achievement, not as, oh, my God, she's got hyperlexia. Mm. Imagine, imagine you, your wonderful child who's learned to read, and you're going, "Wow!" Mm. And some professional comes along and says, "Oh no, that's terrible news.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is a very bad sign indeed." <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: oh, what? You have hypolexia. Hyperlexia, yes. Right, right? yes.
1: Yeah. Because instead, I've got all these messages about being clever and brilliant <sighs> and coming from a clever and brilliant family, and yes. and also being. Expected to make a
0: difference in the world and uh, make
1: it a better place. You
0: see, uh, you obviously suffer from IWS, intelligent woman syndrome. <laughs> There's a lot of this going on now, you know. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, if something is apparently not right and you can make a rational compassionate and sort of level headed statement that that is the case and in, in some respects that's revolutionary certainly in the world of autism if you're an autistic person you're operating from your own empathy yes. from your own insights that others of, a, of your kind uh, can relate to and see that that is a universal truth Yeah, and universal truths have been denied about autistic people like we're not people with autism well
1: that is a serious worry which goes on being a worry is that mm there's still a, a, a sizable core of most of the funded auti- aut- autism research where the supposition is that it's a disease which needs to be fought and conquered. Mm. And that is really very, very serious error and very
0: harmful. It's focused at the community who, ca- who will always need support. It's focused at the community who are relatively vulnerable, I think.
1: Yes. Uh, you mean the attempt to cure is focused on them? Very much they, so, yeah. Yes, and then there's the the drawing of the line which says that these people are on one side of it and uh, you brilliant people, the weirdos, we welcome to number 10 down in the street, <laughs> um, are really quite different and that's a bit of a dangerous game to play. Mm. Because there are quite a lot of autistic people who do mind being bracketed with yeah. people who look extremely weird and, do, un- and do unexpected things. Yeah.
0: people whose behaviour is not social skills acceptable. People who are yeah, people the who self-integrity really is absolutely. Really. Sorry. Yeah, I believe there's two kinds of autistics. There's people who can concede and relate and develop social skills, and there's people who don't know what you're talking about. It's just me. And I think when you say weird behaviours, you're describing the autistic people who are uncontrollably focused around themselves. Yes. Again, it's all relative language, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and it's all about how much you worry other people.
0: Yeah.
1: Which is which is what the social model kind of gestures at. Mm. I think that these mm. the social model if taken to an extreme, can actually mean that any um, enduring concept of autism is is undermined. Yeah. Um, but I think actually there is a a material basis for autistic differences, mm. without which there wouldn't be any any issue without which there, there would be no you couldn't even start to imagine the boundary there would have to be um, if there's no correlation with anything material the whole concept really gets cut loose
0: yeah, yeah. we're creating whole new frames of reference we, we do need
1: to be doing that
0: yeah. there are different communities different frames of reference it's interesting All people all over the world you speak to uh, friends in like Chen and Tel Aviv. I hope mm. to interview friends in America. I was talking to Alex Planck this week, and uh, people in uh, like I talked to uh, Aspie's Deutschland, our friend, mm-hmm. who was here a long time ago. I interviewed him. What was his yeah? name? Sebastian. Sebastian. Yes, I do have an interview in Sebastian. A long time ago. Uh, and we all have the same ideas. We're all agreeing on the same same points. And the people who disagree with us a faction of autistic people, they too have empathy for their own group. Mm-hmm. So how is this a disorder? You have people who have different camps with different representation. You have the parents of disabled children mm-hmm. who uh, are trying to militantly stand against people on social media and trying to turn us into some sort of villains and other us and them and us and we're the good guys trying to save kids. How them. do
1: these people fit into the, the autistic dark web? Uh, is that who you're talking the about? The
0: autistic doctor was a term invented about two years ago for people who didn't like being autistic or <laughs> didn't like anyone being positive around the term autism, which is a battleground of thought over. Yeah. And it actually became, there are actually named individuals who seem to spend all their time on Twitter. Twitter! Or oh, every day desperately trying to say the same thing. Over and over again. Circular. So round, around, around they go trying to make out people like ourselves. I can't think straight. We're obviously quite disturbed people. If we don't think there's only the normal and the disordered and everyone needs to be normal, and it's that simple in life. There's no neurodiversity. There's no neurodiversity of human brains. That's part of life. You're born that way. You make the best of it you can. Oh, no, no, no. You say, how dare you be positive about being autistic? It's frightening. I don't want to name individuals. But there are actually people who are, who are now autistic household names from behaving like that one you can name is Jonathan Mitchell because he published the Spectator article over a year ago
1: yes yes I've heard of him
0: yeah. did you read that article it's paranoid it's very very strange I don't like reading things
1: which upset me I've just given up really I, I avoided I know mm. they're going to be horrible and I can yeah. make a pretty good guess about the content and I just don't need to upset myself
0: there's a lot of people who've been using social media to try to traumatise autistic people like ourselves off social media and advocacy, thinking mm-hmm. that this battleground of 270 words, I think it is, is the end of the world, which is very weird. Yes. So I've had a great time sitting on buses to and from where I live, killing time by tweeting. By ar- yeah, <laughs> that's why I did it. <laughs> it's just otherwise, you wouldn't bother because it's just so neurotic, clearly. Yeah, yeah, neurotically exactly. aggressive.
1: I only look at Michelle Dawson on Twitter, I don't look at anything else. She's a brilliant research filter. Yeah. So, yeah. don't do that. And, yes, being avoidant can have a downside, but a lot of the time it's just common
0: yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, this is it. Uh, I mean, we operate from the basis of love, compassion for others. Try and facilitate other autistic people. Try to make sense of the whole thing, and it's really that simple.
1: Yes, and feeling that one has, through those good intentions, somehow exposed oneself to vilification and, you
0: know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Attack vilifications to people attacking you, having a go at you. Yeah. You're not really autistic. You don't represent real autism. Yeah, and you harm our cause. Yeah. That's the mystery bit, really.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, okay, maybe some people who say they're autistic aren't autistic, whatever exactly this line is. Um, How does that mean that everything they are struggling for or pointing out is a problem is wrong? I mean, you can't disqualify good arguments and sound points Mm -hmm. by an ad hominem um,
0: labelling. Mm. but they it's just that I see the if you read Steve Silverman's Neurotribes you can see history Mm. happening and you see where it's been and where it's going and you realise there were other times quite crucial where we will be the writers who will be forgotten I'd imagine in the future at the end of this century autistic people will evolve come a lot let they say they grow up and they'll take for granted certain freedoms and empowerments that people had to bring into existence. Yes, I hope so. Yeah. Hmm. Dinah, you are the mother of monotropism. Yes, I'm the grandmother. And the granny. Yes. That's right. But the psyche of our world can't stand autistic adults. So the idea of an autistic grandmother and PhD, PhD, an originator of a unique concept that is going to be, be, yeah, yeah, well, stand in human history forever. That that autistic <laughs> people have this thing about them, and it is perfectly natural to them.
1: And that it's probably a blessing to the world as well. Yes, and always, yes. always has been basically. And the the people who aren't particularly intellectually adept and fast. Um, a substantial number of them would have found a niche in a simpler society than ours. Yeah. yeah. And they did, yeah. Monks,
0: nuns. Coats, herds. Yeah. Painters. Painters. Painters, yeah.
1: yeah. Poets. Yeah. Allowed to live in a folly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mad woman in the attic. Yes. Or a writer's colony in California or an ashram.
1: All of those things. The yeah. world needs people who are marginal.
0: We, we live at the sharp end of it all. We don't live in this woke, politically correct, delicate world. We no, that's the generation correct, we don't. The front line, yeah.
1: Yes, and a psychiatric hospital makes it sound like a place where you know you would go when you're ill and then you would come out when you're better. Yeah. And that's
0: not what happens. It <laughs> operates from a model where there is an illness to be removed as opposed to the fact it you're does. neurodivergent from the neurotypical and that's your nature and you're being put there because society's had enough of your unique Yeah, and behavior. because
1: sometimes, I mean, you know, there are reasons why people who are getting psychosis can be dangerous. Yeah. That's, you know, not untrue. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make it a medical condition because they can mm-hmm. be dangerous. Not really. I don't really think that it's a helpful concept. And there was research done many years ago by um Cooley and Leff at the Insti- Institute of Psychiatry looking at uh, outcomes and long-term outcomes for people who've been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Yes. And being given the pills gives you a worse long-term outcome. Yeah. If you're actually in a society where that's not how it's dealt with, but it's dealt with by saying, oh, uncle, whoever has, you know, having one of his... Turn. Spells, you know, spells. Turns, yeah. spells <laughs> you know, in a few days he'll probably be okay again, and that's how it was. Right? You know? Yeah, he's having. Just everybody would know. Uh oh, he's <laughs> having a loony phase. Play <laughs> along with it, or whatever's needed. You know? <laughs> Maybe lock the door. Yeah. And in a few days it'll be. It's a transient thing. You know, it it may well happen again. We'll be ready for it when it happens again. It's the way to deal with it. The idea that you can actually cure it by getting the pills has never been supported by research. Never. The fact that it can reduce symptoms in some percentage of the people who take it, Mm. especially over a short period of time, because they were only short trials, is supported. But that's as far as it goes. Mm. The amount of power that is just handed to somebody because they've become a psychiatrist is way beyond the power that anybody else has. It's more than the Prime Minister has. Mm. It's more than a policeman has.
0: Over people's lives on the one Over people's lives? Yeah,
1: it's a and the people who choose to be psychiatrists, some of them are wonderful people, and I have met some lovely psychiatrists, and I do not have an absolutely blanket, oh no, terrible people thing about yeah. them. But it is also a fact that uh, historically the people, the, the medical students who've chosen psychiatry have been the ones who aren't doing terribly well in the other areas and not <laughs> The brightest people, they're not. And and choosing psychiatry is not respected within the medical profession.
0: And
1: within psychiatry, learning disability and geriatric psychiatry are the lowest. Mm. So the lowest form of doctor Mm. is a learning disability psychiatrist. Mm. Actually, a learning disability geriatric psychiatrist would probably count as being the very bottom of the heap. Mm. Um, So they have gone through school and they go gone to medical school, being treated with a degree of scorn, mm. and they finally get out there and they call this power. Yeah. And, you know, you'd have to be a very good person, not to be uh, affected badly by this sequence of events in your life. And the opportunities to just be powerful and... Take control of other people's lives are enormous. And assuming goodwill in everybody who has those powers is probably, it's
0: certainly a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's character, certain yeah. kind of personality. There it is again, this this reoccurring theme of um, individuals' biased opinions. You yeah. feel that Clue doesn't have enough integrity in itself. All yeah, the people like ourselves are trying to develop things through books and ethos that has an integrity
1: Yes, but the field itself has been pegged out as it were by forces which don't really have anything to do with the individual characters who are going to be put in the boxes and certainly don't have very much to do with uh, understanding them better which is a rather sad thought. I mean, again, you know, there are psychiatrists who are in a position to take the time to understand their patients and want to do that. But they're few and far between. Mostly they don't have the time to even begin to go there. And anyway, they've been... now been trained to think in terms of a chemical fix rather Mm. than a psychological fix. That's really
0: of a disaster Hmm. but again you see it's the quick and easy behaviours aren't uh, valid we've got to get these people make them safe we've got to get these people within certain tolerances socially and personally ultimately I think with the mind and from what I can see of psychiatric medicine and treatment from the GP to the specialist It's all about calming people down, relieving anxiety. It is about the
1: the research I did into drugs for autistic
0: symptoms
1: quite a few years ago um, made it pretty clear that all all the research that I saw, there was almost nothing which actually addressed anything positive about autism Mm. or enhanced anything. Fluoxetine, I think it was, was said to help some people be more sociable. That was almost the only one that had any positive effect, and that the overall pattern was reduces behaviour, so it reduces various behaviours. Right. So, you've got a line if you put all the reduction things at the bottom of the chart, mm. that's where all the, the medical results are mm. of the drugs that are supposed to be helping autistic people. Mm. It just means suppressing them, right? Making them. Do fewer of those worrying things because they're doing less of everything.
0: And I am quite obsessed with the idea that the worrying things are motivated by anxiety.
1: Usually they are
0: motivated yeah. by anxiety, and
1: to some extent, these drugs will reduce your anxiety. But it is because they're reducing your emotional engagement with everything, right? And that's a terrible way of dealing with anxiety. Mm. Yeah, what you really need to do with anxiety is get to a better emotional place.
0: What you're describing is what alcohol does.
1: It is. It's essentially, they're, they're in the same... Yeah. The antipsychotics and, and alcohol are all depressants. Yeah. They flatten things, they reduce things, they wipe them out. Yeah, um, yeah they're there real similarities, And why people who are in, in a really, really bad way... Will buy some sorts of hideous um, major tranquilizer on the black market. Yeah.
0: Because it yeah, just wipe them the out. Kids.
1: Just wipe them out. They go. Oh, no. Don't have to think about anything now.
0: There was a tale of a nineteenth-century Victorian nursery, and the children would come in in the morning and be given a little sip of laudanum. Oh yes. Just sit there all uh, and they're off.
1: Yes, yes <laughs> the the other end. <laughs> Yes. You know, apparently, and I, I don't know how true this is, but I was told that in, in China um, many years ago, before the whole thing of commercialised opium, yeah. was thing, before the opium wars, yeah. the, the normal practice was that when the parents reached a certain age yeah. and their children had grown up and were trying to take over the family business... Yeah get control over their lives and not be so dominated by their parents Yeah. at that point they would start bringing a little spoonful of opium when they visited parents Yeah. and then the parents would gradually become less and less interested in running the business and less and less trouble my god
0: that's yes. is that a true story
1: Apparently, well, yeah. my source is somebody that I usually trust,
0: but I, yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't it's know. At all. But it seems quite plausible, doesn't it? My it's God, it's not spiking the parents, you know. Yes, it's for your own yes. good.
1: Just have a little sip of this. Woohoo! You'll <laughs> yeah. very, very happy. I'm on you. Please accept this gift. This humble gift. This parenting. humble gift,
0: which will shut you up. Yeah. Oh. My wife could do with that. She you was know. a bit <laughs> cosh for me. Uh, you know. This is being recorded, is it? It is. Yes, okay. so I hope she doesn't hear. Make, it. make sure she listens. <laughs> Dr. Dinah Murray, thank you very much. And just to conclude, I want to put it in the very beginning of the interview where Dinah first begins speaking. It's quite a, a slow section. And I want to thank you all very much for getting this far and listening. Next podcast is going to be a very short one. Where I interviewed Alex Planck when he visited London. Then after that, we have Dr. Catriona Anne Stewart, the inventor of the Scottish Women's Autism Network, another parent and an autistic person. Thank you. Okay. So hello, and thank you to Dr. Dinah Murray for agreeing to podcast with me. Dinah, would you like to introduce yourself in broad and general terms? <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> this question to an autistic academic.
1: <laughs> this is this is a question, I mean, the broad and general terms perhaps could help, but I'm completely unnerved by this uh, invitation. Um, I usually just point at the top of my head and say, I'm Dinah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's where the brain is it's yes. very big
1: um, mm, uh, well I grew up to be an intellectual and I grew up to be an activist yeah. these were part of the kind of self image that I acquired as a yeah. young person along with a sense of potential efficacy in the world, because I had interesting ancestors that I was learning about, yeah. and so on, so they gave me this sense of, well, you know, if they can do it, I can do it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um... Founding the Cremation Society, for example. It's one of your ancestors. One of my ancestors. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they gave you a burning desire to Yeah. No. <laughs> Sorry.
1: You can't help it. Um, so, and I just am naturally an intellectual. I like thinking about it. I like noticing yeah. the things that don't make sense and trying to work out how one can make sense of them. Mm. And since there's a lot in this world that doesn't really make much sense, and a lot of beliefs that seem to be very badly supported, um, it keeps you
0: with a busy mind. So, how were you when you first discovered you were autistic? Ah.
1: Um. I've always known that I was a little bit unusual, which I've always felt was a good thing. Um, I The moment at which it looked like it was really something that I should consider was when I've told this before publicly but when my friend Ference yeah. was an autistic lad that I was getting to know at his school yeah. and I was taking off at the weekend to go to nice places in the country and do things like lighting fires together and playing with ice mm. good things like that anyway we were crossing the lawn of the Islington uh, Ecological Centre at Cardfields in Essex and there was nobody else around. Um, it was a dewy lawn, and a cat came along, came over to us and walked along with us.
0: Yeah.
1: And Ference bent down to talk to the cat, <laughs> which is something that I would also have done, but you don't want two people on one cat. So I said to him that I often think that um, autistic people, people like him, are more like cats. and Normal people, people like me, are more like dogs. And he gave me this look. Yeah. She thinks she's normal? What? <laughs> um, and we had been getting on very, very well. And you know, I found it very easy to tune in with this guy who didn't yeah. speak. And we had a very um, good communication. Uh, and indeed, empathy. Mm. Um, I say he had empathy too, because, for example, again, this is on the record, um... But the third or fourth time I visited him in the school, um, I was told that he had to complete some work before we could go and play with the electricity game, educational toy thing. Um, And he picked up the pencil, started to do it, and then looked across at me and thought, I know, she can do it. So he pushed it across to me. (laughs) With the pencil.
0: Yes.
1: And I said, I'm sorry, friends. I think I might get in a bit of trouble if I did that for you.
0: Yeah.
1: And he immediately took it back and just oh. got on with it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And that was like a little bit of, well, you know, that was sensitive and caring. Yeah. Um, doesn't quite fit with what I've been hearing about autism.
0: Right. Um, you knew he was autistic.
1: I went to the school which is just down the road from me at that stage which yeah. was an autistic specialist school which I didn't know about yeah. when I first became interested in autism yeah. um, and I discovered it by chance really and so I went in and said you know, any chance that I could visit your school because I've had this idea about autism and I'd like to meet some actually autistic yeah. people yeah. and these young people in your school might do um, and they head very, very properly Bert Furs um, said I could he didn't mind my doing that as long as it meant that I was being becoming a friend of one of the pupils yeah and that uh, he would recommend Ference as being a very interesting guy
0: yeah
1: um, and it's okay to call him by his name because he's an artist yeah. and he wants to be known as an artist in fact I just wrote to Robert Chapman and said Ference's work can it be in this exhibition in Bristol that you're doing? Oh, yeah. Because he's he's a really good artist. He's very, very committed.
0: So how old were you at this stage?
1: How old was I? Yes. Um when I discovered about autism in nineteen ninety and I met Ference in nineteen ninety two or something. Ninety yeah. three maybe. Um
0: 95,
1: so I would be uh, nearly 50.
0: Yeah. So you just, did you, when did you get a formal diagnosis? I never did. Never got one. Never going to. Never got one, yeah.
1: I will not have my identity authorised by a medical professional or anybody else.
0: Hmm.
1: And I certainly won't be put into a, a, a category which is defined as fundamentally dysfunctional. Right. So they can just. (laughs)
0: <laughs> expletives deleted
1: yes wow.
0: now by then you had your doctorate uh,
1: I did have my doctorate by yeah. then what was your doctorate in? my doctorate was in basically the relation between language and thinking which had been my special interest since the age of about 11 yeah. and uh, I'd started off doing very badly at secondary school and basically screwing up and not getting enough O-levels but being given a place at Newcastle Fine Art Department. Yeah. Because art and English A-level were sufficient to get a place there. Yeah. It was in university department. I was going to get a degree. I was quite arty. But really, I was mainly arty because the best place to be in the school was the art block.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah? Yeah. That was the place where everybody accepted everybody and yeah. you could be who you were
0: and... Mm.
1: Yeah, the so there's always a concerned. sense of
0: disorientation of not belonging.
1: Slightly, but in a quite ch- not not in a concerning way. Yeah. I just didn't, you know, I noticed the things that other people were doing and thought they were a bit strange. Um.
0: <whistles> <laughs> so Frankie should explain. We've got a dog in the background, which is what the thumping has been. So I'm going to go on tickling duty and stroking duty.
1: Yes, very good. Um, so...
0: You always had friends and relationships.
1: I always did have friends and relationships, yes. 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 And I was, I was really good at being fairly invisible. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I got invited to things and mm. stuff and and just noticed that I was not interested in talking about the sorts of things that other people were mostly interested in, or yeah. other girls, it was a girl's school. Girl. Yeah.
0: If you're in a girl's school.
1: Well, we're yeah. mostly interested in, yes.
0: So as a female, there were ways of surviving and passing that you, you by being unnoticed or being sort of shy. just, just
1: by being unnoticed, really, yes. Yeah. Not
0: being very... Frankie's yeah. oh. good. He's giving me his paw. <laughs> Frankie, ah. you're so good at looking like a good dog. Frankie the wolf wolf. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. you barking in a second. Ah, doggy, doggy. Primitive hand. Mm. Yes. and once you made this discovery at the age of 50 you entered into that world drawn I assume by your empathy. no
1: I, was, I entered into the world of autism oh. because I was interested when I borrowed a book for a friend yeah. in 1990 yeah. who had Uta Frith's Autism the Enigma she had it with her when I was seeing her and I said oh autism I've been meaning to find out more about that and she said oh, would you like to borrow this book and, um, and I read the book very rapidly, and I thought, I know what's going on here. Um, this will be really good evidence for my thesis. Mm. For the model of interest that I propose in my thesis is that I can use that model to describe what's going on in autism in a way that makes a whole range of different attributes of autistic people uh, make sense together. So it makes a much more coherent picture. Mm. If you think think of it in terms of people who have interests where the leading interest just has significantly much more energy devoted to, yeah. to it, yeah. bound up in it, and commensurately less around it. Yes. At any given moment, so you've not got a kind of blurry edges, and you've not got a lot of. Yeah. Uh, potential places for your mind to run to. Right. Unless it's in the here and now. Having said that, you know, I'm describing an extreme.
0: In neurotypical
1: terms? In, in neurotypical terms, I'm describing something which is an extreme of a pattern
0: yeah.
1: where you can go from being somebody who has that kind of very very intense focus but doesn't find it so hard to move on but is more relaxed perhaps about what counts as certainty and sufficiency Um, you can have it in a way which is speedy or you can have it in a way that is is actually slow Mm. Um, but it's still the same that same pattern going on and you can see it as being possibly caused by some quite physical things mm. like widths of channels and angles of slopes and mm. strength of attractivities and things like that which we know are going on in brains all the time. These are parameters which apply to the um, accurate and scientific uh, modelling of brains. So it seems to me that it probably does have a more than one material cause
0: yeah. yeah it's not just neurotic urge or being somebody who wants to willfully follow a particular thing there is a nature there
1: there's a real there's a nature there yes yeah. there's, a, and yeah. there's a not seeing the alternatives and there's a, a, a passion and a mission of yeah and sometimes that may be completely incomprehensible to the people around yeah
0: yeah, because everyone's everywhere. that They're aware of their environment, the people around them, what happened yesterday, what's going to happen yeah. today. they have got different things in mind. But then you get people who are single-minded. Yes. One subject at a time. That they yes. are utterly devoted in the here and now to...
1: To that, whatever they're yeah. pursuing at that moment. And it can be a huge topic. Hmm. Or it can be a little topic like making... Moving your head to just look at the way the light goes on yeah. the edge of that. Yeah. Could
0: it could be an extraordinary... Could,
1: that could be a fantastic and wonderful experience.
0: It could be a unique part of theoretical physics, or it could be simply moving your head at the right angle yeah. and, and catching the light yeah. And equally. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Equally. equally.
0: Wow. And, and you, did you come up with the name for that?
1: The monotropism yeah. name. Uh, I didn't. I did. I did find Mike Lesser to help create a model. Yeah. And he went off to NASA and modeled um, dynamical systems, uh, basically. Um, he went th-
0: to the National Aeronautics and Space Administration.
1: Yes, he managed to get get somebody in there to partner him. I don't know how he got introduced yeah. into all that, but he did, yeah. and the guy was called... I think James Callis, it might be Jack Callis. And when together they did some very fine dynamical modelling, which was quite exciting. And while he was off doing that, I was reading this book about autism, so he came back, and I said, look, I've had this idea. And then for a while I was talking about this idea that there was more going on in the central interests and less going on happening in disconnected places. Um, You've got everything in between. Mm. Uh, So I found that although I now had a mathematician and I now had something better than just waving my hands around to do, Yeah. I could point at some maths. We were beginning Mm. to get somewhere with that. Um, I still didn't have a way of talking about it, which didn't mean me having to talk for three minutes before anybody knew what I was talking about, even though it's a very simple idea.
0: So you didn't have a formal academic frame of reference?
1: I didn't, because my PhD was written in a kind of weird... (laughs) It was written before they they had become very, very serious about PhDs. So I was able to very much plough my own furrow, and I had a supervisor who was quite annoyed that I wasn't doing Mm. the stuff that she was doing. So we basically had a kind of agreement that I would just go off and do my thing. Mm. And she would hardly ever see me, and I would just get on with it. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) So... I very lucky. I was raising young children and being allowed to think about the things I wanted to think about. You have
0: three children, by the way?
1: I was getting three
0: children along the
1: way, yes. Yes. Um.
0: This is what they used to call in Victorian times the weaker sex, right? <laughs> that's right. Three that's children
1: and a PhD, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it was, it was lovely to have the excuse to do something for myself.
0: Yeah.
1: Because something that they tend not to point out to you before you have a baby is that the baby has all the rights and you have all the obligations. Right. So it's a completely different relationship from what you've ever had before, except when you're on the other side of it. Yeah. (laughs) And it's very heavy.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, suddenly, I can't expect anything of this creature. So it is heavy, and I think, you know, one of the ways that I was lucky was that I was able to not only have very I I am a very I have been a very very lucky person yes yeah Yeah. one of the ways I was lucky was that when I was pregnant I wasn't sick yes I didn't feel ill I I just was pregnant I was pregnant and then I gave birth and that was easy too and it's all terribly unfair and (laughs) I did breastfeeding and that was easy too
0: unbelievably
1: unfair yeah there you go thank you Far greater than myself.
0: Well, this is what it's like. That there are autistic people who are very, very able to to heal and survive and yeah. function. As yeah. Mega mask. I've heard the phrase "low maskers" and "high maskers" recently. <laughs> I love that. Well, I think you're one of those people, with the body and the psyche, that could take all this.
1: Uh, well, I and and, I, and the physical good fortune. Yeah. And the body is part of that, obviously, but as well as that, actually growing up in the situation I grew up in where nobody thought it was there was anything problematic about being weird.
0: Yeah.
1: It was very, very valuable.
0: And you created a scenario where you weren't valued uh, weird at all because you had a family and yes. diversity in the family. Well
1: I have to say that I was quite passive in creating this scenario but David was the guy was yeah. totally determined.
0: David was your husband.
1: David was my husband yes. and he he determined that, cause, that he would get me taking him seriously. Yeah. And he would get me being the mother of his children.
0: And what was he a professor in? Philosophy. Philosophy. Yes. Yes. He was neurotypical.
1: Mm, no, he wasn't neurotypical. Uh, he was very atypical, whether he counts yeah. as autistic or not. I don't really think so. He was very, very socially busy and lively and with it
0: um, in his younger years. Yeah. But so was I.
1: Yeah, well...
0: Got to drama school, did loads of plays, very sociable, very busy. He did plays too. Yeah. You never know. No, you never know. Because personality, character, intelligence and maturity are never cross-referenced into autistic. Yeah, well, that's right. This
1: is one of the reasons why autistic is not tremendously helpful designation yes. really because it yeah. doesn't have any so it's you can pin down and yeah mm. you can pin down in a way that that has scientific uh, capacity to be turned into a piece of rigorous science where there aren't variables that are completely out of your control because it's such a socially embedded thing, because if you look at the definition it's all about yeah. a person in, in, in a society and it's inescapable. It's absolutely bizarre that it's been possible to see it as uh, something which is located in, in, in a, in a, purely in an individual. It simply doesn't make sense. It's yeah. completely irrational.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't see people, we see a diagnosis. Because well, that's, that's, that's the crude thing we've got.
1: It is a crude thing we've got. It's 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 part of what's.
0: Mm. The problem. Mm. <coughs>